The message series that we're currently in is called Rescued, and it's based on the book of Ruth. Now, the book of Ruth took place during the time of the Judges, written about in the book of Judges. And, of course, Judges is immediately before Ruth in the Old Testament. And as we're going through this series, as we're studying more about what happened in the time of Ruth, what happened in the time of the Judges, I'm I'm convinced that we in America are living in a time that's very similar to the time of the Judges. And we're going to talk more about that in a few minutes. Now, last week, we went through the first chapter of the book of Ruth. And we learned, to catch us up with the story, is that Naomi and her husband had left Judah to go to Moab because there was a famine. Uh, They couldn't uh, get enough food to eat, and so they left uh, their country to go to Moab, which was a pagan country, an idol-worshiping country. And while they were there, Naomi's two sons married Moabite wives, wives from this pagan country. And tragedy then struck. Naomi's husband died, and her two sons died as well in this country of Moab, and they left no children. Naomi decided to return to Judah because she heard that the famine was over. And as she went, her two daughters-in-law considered whether to come with her. And Ruth, one of her daughters-in-law, decided to accompany her mother-in-law back to Judah. She decided to leave her own country, to leave her relatives, and to leave her idols behind and to come to be with the people of God and come to worship the one true God. But when they arrived in Judah, Naomi was was very discouraged. She was very bitter at what God had allowed to come into her life. Here she had a husband and two sons, and she came back with no one, or so she thought. Both Naomi and Ruth then were widows. One, Naomi was an older widow. Ruth was a younger widow. And widows at that time had, well, in all times, have a difficult time. But in that time, particularly with no husband, no family to support them, it was difficult just to survive. And yet at the very end of the first chapter in Ruth, we see the first sign of hope. Ruth 1.22 says, So Naomi returned, and Ruth the Moabite, her daughter-in-law with her, who returned from the country of Moab. And they came to Bethlehem at the beginning of barley harvest. And so the famine was over, harvest was beginning, it was a sign of better things to come. And so today we're going to talk about finding hope. We're going to learn how to find hope in God in in difficult times. We are living in difficult times that I believe parallel the times of the Judges. The last verse in the book of the Judges summarized this whole period of history in Judges. It said, Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. In other words, everyone made up their own standard of right and wrong. They didn't follow God's standard in his word. Everyone did what was right in their own eyes. And when everyone does what is right in their own eyes, what happens? Well, you see an increase in sin. You see an increase in depravity. You see an increase in violence. An increase in sexual perversion. We see those things happening in America today. I think we do, especially for those of us who are a little bit older. We've seen the slide, whereas those that are younger 
it kind of seems like it's always been like this, but it is going downhill. This last Friday, what did we have? Another school shooting in Texas, Santa Fe, Texas. A 17-year-old wearing a shirt, born to kill, killed 10 people, a number still in the hospital. He intended to commit suicide, but didn't follow through. Teen suicide and attempted suicide rates have doubled in the last decade. A report just came out a few days ago. On Friday, I received a prayer alert email from the Thrive Pro-Life group that we work with that are uh, fighting to save babies from being aborted. And they informed, I think this was just sent out to pastors, that at the Capitol in Missouri, Jefferson City, there was on the schedule a group called the Sisters of Satan. And they were on, there was, we had the schedule there. They had an attachment there. And the Sisters of Satan were there. I guess they got a spot in the schedule to pray down curses on all the pro-life legislators there. And so we were to pray uh, against the Sisters of Satan. A pastor in the last week was recently labeled a religious bigot by a former presidential candidate. And what was his crime for saying that Jews, Muslims, and Mormons were not saved because they did not believe in Jesus, which is what the Bible teaches. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And yet, people are being labeled religious bigots if they teach that truth. And so everyone is doing what is right in their own eyes. And yet in the time of Judges and in our time, God always preserves a remnant of true believers. And that remnant does what is right not in their own eyes, but does what is right in God's eyes. And that's what the book of Ruth is all about. And so today, in our time, in our day, we need to find hope, first of all, in God's providence. What is God's providence? God's providence is God's sovereignty over all the events, all the circumstances in people's lives. Nothing happens without God knowing about it. Nothing happens without God being in control. Ruth 2 verse 1 says, Naomi had a relative of her husband, a worthy man of the clan of Elimelech, that was her husband's name, whose name was Boaz. And so as Naomi came to Judah, came back to Bethlehem, which was her hometown, she was complaining that God had made her life empty, that he'd taken everything from her that she loved. Uh, her husband, her two sons had died. And yet, as we're going to see, God was working behind the scenes. God was working in the events of Naomi's lives. And in this verse, we're introduced to a relative of her husband named Boaz. Boaz also lived in Bethlehem. And Boaz was a worthy man. He was a man of strong character. We'll see that he was a man of strong belief in God. And so the lives of Boaz and Naomi were about to intersect by God's providence. Verse 2, Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, Let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain after him in whose sight I shall find favor. And she said to her, Go, my daughter. And so Naomi was overwhelmed with with sorrow, despair, but somebody needed to do something in order to provide for these two widows. They had to eat. And so Ruth decided to take the initiative to go to the fields 
the barley harvest uh, was there, and see if she could glean grain. Now, in the Old Testament, there was a law that required farmers to allow poor people to glean grain at the edges of the field. That they could go in and take some grain and beat out the kernels and take those to feed their families. Now, this was not a simple handout. They had to work. They had to work hard in order to glean grain at the edges of the fields. And so Ruth, she was a foreigner. She was a Moabite. She decided to see if any farmer would give her the privilege of gleaning grain in his field. And so verse 3, she sat, that is Ruth, set out and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the clan of Elimelech. And so as she was gleaning in the field, she apparently was moving around. And this verse says that she just happened to come to Boaz's part of the field. But as we read the story, we see this is not happenstance at all. It's part of God's providence. We know it was no accident. And even though Ruth at this time had no idea who Boaz was, she had no idea whose field she was gleaning in, God had led her to this particular field. And as we'll see, God's providence in Ruth's life would impact her mother-in-law, Naomi, as well. And so this morning, whatever difficulty that you're facing in life, Know that if you're a believer, God is providentially working in your life. He's working in the events surrounding your life. And as you follow his direction as best you can, even though you may not be able to figure out or see how he's working, he's going to bring people into your life. He's going to cause events to happen that are part of his master plan. And so it's exciting to live with God. As he works behind the scenes. And so don't lose hope. If you're discouraged this morning. Have hope in God's providence. Even though you can't always see him working. Trust he is working. He's working behind the scenes. Not only should we hope in God's providence. We should hope in God's people. Verse 4. Behold Boaz came from Bethlehem. And he said to the reapers. The Lord be with you. And they answered, the Lord bless you. And so not only do we know now that Boaz was a man of good character, he was a worthy man. We see in this verse that Boaz is a godly man. This is his job. This is what he does. He oversees these reapers. And in his work, he blesses the reapers, and they in return bless him. He talks about God all the time. And then Boaz inquires of the reapers about a new woman that he saw gleaning in the fields. And they answer him. About this woman who was Ruth. And the servant who was in charge of the reapers answered Boaz. She is the young Moabite woman who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. She said, please let me glean and gather among the sheaves after the reapers. So she came and she has continued from early morning until now except for a short rest. And so Boaz heard somewhat unusual news. This woman was not an Israelite. She was a Moabite. She'd returned with Naomi from Moab. And we learn that Ruth is a hard worker. She hasn't stopped working until just before Boaz came. In fact, as we're going to see, as we read carefully, Ruth was most likely intending to
to leave Boaz's field. But he arrived from Bethlehem just in time to notice her. All in God's providence. And so not only does God orchestrate events, he brings people together. Now, oftentimes, the hope that God desires to bring into our lives does not come in a vacuum. It doesn't come when we're all alone. It doesn't necessarily come when we're praying in the prayer closet. Oftentimes, the hope that God brings comes through God's people. It comes through other believers. And that's just one of the reasons why God commands all believers to be committed to a local church because it's in the context of of a committed church of believers that you can be encouraged, that you can receive God's hope. And so not only can you find hope in God's people, you can find hope in God's protection. Our story continues in verse 8. Then Boaz said to Ruth, Now listen, my daughter. So he begins to talk to Ruth. Do not go to glean in another field or leave this one, but keep close to my young women. Let your eyes be on the field that they are reaping and go after them. Have I not charged the young men not to touch you or disturb you? And when you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink what the young men have drawn. And so what seems to have happened as we read this carefully is that the reapers in Boaz's field, when he wasn't around, were harassing Ruth in some way. Perhaps because she was from Moab, she was a foreigner. Perhaps that's what they were doing. Or possibly since she was a a woman alone. We don't know exactly, but it appears that Ruth was looking to move to another field to avoid this harassment when Boaz arrived. And so Boaz strongly encouraged her to stay in his field. Don't go somewhere else. Stay with the other young women. And he had instructed clearly his reapers after he'd come back and learned the story of what was going on. He instructed his reapers not to harass her or touch her in any way. Well, obviously, they were doing some things they shouldn't have been doing. He gives her permission to drink from the water vessels rather than having to draw her own water. Now, in that day and time, the women drew the water and the men drank. And he was saying, you can drink. You don't have to draw your own water. And then Ruth asked Boaz, why, why are you treating me so kindly? Because I'm a Moabite. I, I'm a foreigner. And Boaz answered her in verse 11. He says, all that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your hus husband has been fully told to me and how you left your father and mother in your native land and, and came to a people that you did not know before. The Lord repay you for what you have done and a full reward be given you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. And so Boaz had heard many good things about Ruth. She'd cared for her mother-in-law, Naomi. She left her country, her home country. She came to a foreign land. And most importantly, Ruth gave up the worship of idols. Chemosh is the idol, the chief idol that was worshipped in Moab. And she'd become a believer in the Lord, the God of Israel. She had come under the protection of his wings. In fact, she had found protection under the care of the Lord through the kindness of of Boaz. And so the world in our time, as we already mentioned, is, is an evil, violent place. Just as it was in the time of Judges, we talked about several Sundays ago, the incredible violence, perversion that was going on at that time. 
Sometimes we may think that nothing can touch us, that we are immune from the evil and violence in our land, and yet we're not able to protect ourselves from the evil in our world. Let's not presume that we can protect ourselves. We need to take prudent precautions in life, but we need God's protection. Should we not be praying for it as the Lord taught us to pray? Lead us not into temptation, but what? Deliver us from evil. We need God's protection to be delivered from evil each and every day. We need to find that protection under the wings of God, as it were. The picture of God being like a mother hen protecting her chicks under her wings. And so we find God's protection when we are living close to Him. The chicks of a mother hen don't find protection off wandering somewhere. They find protection underneath the wings, which is close. We find God's protection when we're committed to a church of God's people. There is protection in God's church. And if we stray from God, if we engage in habitual sin, if we're not fully committed to God's family, we remove ourselves from God's protection. God's protects, God protects those who walk in His ways, as, as Ruth did. Next, we can find hope in God's provision. So it came to mealtime. At mealtime, Boaz said to her, that is Ruth, come here and eat some bread and dip your morsel in the wine. So she sat beside the reapers and he passed to her roasted grain and she ate until she was satisfied. And she had some left over. When she rose to glean, Boaz instructed his young men saying, let her glean even among the sheaves and do not reproach her. And so Boaz's kindness to Ruth continues. He invites her to sit with him and all the reapers. That was a place that the gleaners were never invited to. They had to sit off by themselves. He fed her. More than enough. She ate till she was full and there was still some left over. After the meal, he instructs the reapers to let her glean among the sheaves. The sheaves are the harvested crops. That was never done for the gleaners. They had to get the scraps along the edge of the field. But here, she was able to take from the sheaves for herself. In fact, in the next verse, he instructs his workers to pull grain out of the sheaves to give to Ruth. She didn't have to work to pull the grain out of the sheaves. They were going to pull some out for her as well. And so through Boaz's generosity, God was providing not only for Ruth, but for Naomi as well. And verse 17 says, So she, that is Ruth, gleaned in the field until evening. Then she beat out what she had gleaned, and it was about an ephah of barley. So I looked that up. So an ephah is about 15 liters of barley. Not sure exactly what a leader is, but that was enough to feed Ruth and Naomi, they tell us, for about a week in one day. And so as Ruth would continue to glean until the end of the harvest was about seven weeks, at that rate she would have gleaned enough, so they say, to feed her and Naomi for about a year, which was an incredible amount, far more than any typical gleaner would have got just working the edges of the fields. And so Ruth brought that barley home to Naomi, and Naomi was amazed because it was a lot of barley 
for one day's gleaning. And Ruth tells Naomi that she had gleaned in the field of Boaz, not having any idea who Boaz was. And so Naomi was beginning to get excited. She was beginning to realize that God was working in their lives. She was beginning to find hope in God's provision. And so when you and I are walking with God, when we are obeying God's word, God will provide for us. But we must realize that God's provision for Ruth and Naomi, it did not happen while Ruth and Naomi sat home and cried and asked God to bring something, did it? It didn't happen like that. It happened as Ruth went out to the fields and began to work as she took the initiative. And God will provide, but we also must work with the strength that he has given to us. Not only was Ruth working for herself, she was working, and she knew it, for her mother-in-law. She was seeking to help her mother-in-law, who was probably too old to do the hard work of gleaning in the fields. And so Ruth was going to give a portion of what she had gleaned, a portion of what she had earned to her mother-in-law. And so we too, as we are generous with what God provides to us, as we are generous in giving to other people, helping other people, giving to his church, God will provide for all of our needs. And not only can we find hope in God's provision, we can lastly find hope in God's plan. Verse 20, Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, Ruth, may he be blessed by the Lord, speaking of Boaz, whose kindness is not forsaken the living or the dead. Naomi also said to her, the man is a close relative of ours, one of our redeemers. And so Naomi now reveals to Ruth who Boaz is. Boaz was a relative of Naomi's deceased husband, Elimelech. And that made him one of their redeemers. Now, what is a redeemer in the Old Testament? Sometimes referred to as a kinsman redeemer. It was the nearest adult male blood relative to a needy person. In this case, to Naomi, whose husband had died. And this redeemer had the responsibility to redeem or buy back the land of the needy. And so when Naomi had left Judah to go to Moab, she had sold the family land. It was no longer hers. She'd sold it to someone else. The redeemer also had the responsibility of providing for the needy person by marrying the wife of the deceased. Now we see here that Boaz was one of the redeemers. So Naomi had multiple redeemers. And we're going to see more about that as the story continues. And so God had an incredible plan here. It involved Naomi, Ruth, and Boaz. And that plan that God had for those three actually impacts our life today. That plan involved a redeemer in the time of Ruth making way for the ultimate redeemer, Jesus Christ, to be born. And so we can find hope in God's plan for his kingdom. We can find hope in our part in that plan. And so God's plan for each of our lives is, is much, so much more, so much bigger, let me put it that way, than simply going to school, getting a job, getting married, working, retiring, and going to heaven. Now, all those things I mentioned are important. There's nothing wrong with any of those things. They're very important, in fact. 
But God's plan for your life has eternal significance. Even as you go through the normal things that, well, people who aren't believers go through everything except the last part, right? They go to a different place. But as you go through the normal aspects of life, God has a way, God has a plan of bringing about incredible things. And in our story, God's plan brought together an older Jewish widow, a young Moabite widow, and a godly Jewish bachelor, all for eternal purposes. It was not orchestrated by any of these people. It was orchestrated by God himself. And don't think that you know all about God's plan for your life. You don't. There's going to be surprises. There's going to be challenges. There's going to be miracles all the way through, all along the way. Just believe in the plan. Follow God's leading and wonderful things will happen. And so this week, I encourage you, if you haven't already, to read at least the first two chapters in Ruth. You might go big and read the whole book, all four chapters, okay? And then you'll actually know the end before I preach about it. I don't know, that might be a spoiler, but uh, it wouldn't hurt to read the whole four chapters. The story begins in tragedy. But we're beginning now in the second chapter to see signs of, of hope. So whatever you're going through in life, in the here and now in St. Louis in 2018, God wants you to find hope in him this morning. That's the theme of the book. It's a theme he wants to get through to you today. God is working in your life in mysterious ways, in ways that you can't, I can't fully see. He's working to give you opportunities to open doors for you to go through. He's working to help you to follow his wonderful plan because his plan for your life is the most wonderful life you could possibly have. The life of the most significance that could possibly be lived for you. And so we can find hope this morning as we surrender our lives to his plan and his providence. And as we do, we're going to find the best life that we could possibly live. Now, the first step in God's plan for all of our lives, and many of us have taken this first step, is to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. To admit that you sinned. To repent and turn away from that sin and to put your faith and trust in Jesus to forgive you. To believe that he rose from the dead. Invite him into your life and commit yourself to following him as your Lord and Savior. And so if you've never taken that first step or perhaps you've taken it in the past and you feel like you've wandered away, I'd encourage you to pray along with me. So let's bow our heads right now. If you'd like to commit or recommit your life to Jesus Christ this morning to begin to find that hope in him, I'd encourage you to pray along with me something like this. Father, today. I admit that I've sinned. I, I've done wrong things. I repent. I turn away from those things. And I choose to ask you to forgive me. I believe Jesus died on the cross and took the punishment for my sins that I might be forgiven. Come into my life. I commit myself to following you, the risen Lord, as my Savior and as my Master. 
in Jesus' name. And for those of us who are already believers, let's pray as well. Father, we thank you for this book, this short book, inspired by the Holy Spirit that we're studying in this series, the wonderful story of Ruth, a, a woman who left her people, who left her religion, who left her entire life to follow you and to be part of your people. We pray, God, this morning that each person here would find hope, a hope that comes only from you. Help us to trust in your providence, your working behind the scenes in events and relationships in our lives. Nothing happens by accident. Thank you for the people that you bring into our lives. Thank you for the protection that you give us. Thank you for the provision that you make available as we follow you. We are so grateful that we can be part of your incredible plan to build your kingdom. To bring your kingdom to this earth. May your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We're part of that. Help us to lead others to find this great hope in you. A hope for this life and a hope for eternity. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.